so you're not at home you're in church and we have adverts in church so are you hungry yet you want to go out and buy that dishwasher rush out and buy that stereo system temptation all around us for some people it's drugs for some it's food jewelry alcohol vehicles one beautiful green motorbike clothes gambling we're all tempted Eve was tempted by that forbidden fruit Jesus was tempted by the devil and we all get tempted at some stage in our lives and it's all around us it's everywhere you go you look on your TV you open up your computer I can remember the year 1999 just before computers were about to crash we bought a computer and we set it all up in the corner of our lounge and there we were we put it on and we thought right what can we do on here and we went on to Google or some site and we typed in something and oops a whole heap of porn appears that's not what we typed in but at the same time our friends appeared <laughs> and all they saw on this screen was porn <laughs> how embarrassing how could you explain that away we didn't put that in honestly we didn't put that in it's all around us and there was somebody in the Bible who was tempted so let's have a look at David he started out his life as a shepherd boy he gained notoriety by killing a giant he wrote psalms he played the harp for a king then he went into exile but he had a band of followers follow him he became king of Israel and he was the ancestor of Jesus he was humble he was courageous and he was described as a man after God's own heart a fantastic character reference if you went for a job with that you'd be sure to get it but there's another list of qualities and they're not so good he was a betrayer he was a liar he was an adulterer he was a murderer he was an ineffective parent and sadly some of these qualities can be true of any one of us and you might think I've never murdered but Jesus said if you've even thought about it in your heart you're a murderer sad qualities and they're written right in that Bible right next to all his good qualities and there's nothing left unsaid so with all those bad qualities how can he still be a man after God's own heart let's take a look at Samuel chapter 2 uh, 2 Samuel <coughs> sorry chapter 2 no I'll get it right this time 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 to 5 and I hope you've got your Bibles because I haven't written up because we've got lots and lots of Bible reading 
That's 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. So this chapter sets the scene for the biggest temptation for David. It was springtime, a time when kings usually go to war. Now, why would they go to war in springtime? Because that's when all the harvest was in or being harvested. That's when the roads were dry. There was plenty of food to um, supply the armies. It was a great time to go to war. David stayed home. Why? Doesn't tell us. Maybe he was too old to go to war. Maybe his men thought that he was too valuable to get hurt or be put in harm's way. Maybe he felt he'd earned his time at home for a rest. Who knows? Whatever the reason, David stayed home, had a nap, got up, went for a stroll on his roof as we do, and saw a beautiful woman having a bath. Oh. I don't know where that came from. It wasn't from me. At that point, he should have left the roof. He should have fled from temptation. But he didn't. He entertained that thought in his head, and that thought led to devastating consequences. David's mind went walking with his feet. And he went and made inquiries about that beautiful woman, Bathsheba. So it's not the temptation that is the problem. It's not the first look that is the problem. It's what we do with that temptation. It's what we do with that look. It's how we follow it through. There was another um, character in the Bible, Joseph. He had a similar sort of temptation. His boss's wife, Potiphar's wife, she liked Joseph. And she was going to have him by fair means or foul. But Joseph wasn't having a bar of it. And he ran. He fled from Potiphar's wife. And listen to what he said. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, he said, How can I do this thing and sin against God? Joseph couldn't go against his own conscience. 
Bible tells us. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, Snoopy puts it. Or maybe he doesn't. Aha, he does. Flee temptation and don't leave a forwarding address. Run away. Run away. So David had too much time on his hands. He gave in to temptation and it caused him to sin. He tried to cover up his sin and it led to huge serious consequences. Listen to what happened in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 6 to 25. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, The ark and the enemies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I would swear I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah at the front line where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, Report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by a woman who threw a millstone down on him and from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So then down in 25... Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. David went to great pains to cover up his sin. He even sent the man who was going to be killed with his own death warrant. He sent him with a letter make sure that he was killed. David's deliberate, constant sinning had dulled.
his conscience. He became more and more insensitive and his heart had become hardened. Sometimes that's how we can be. When we sin, we, sin, we plan our sin in advance. And then we go to great lengths to cover it up and to hide it with lies or, like David, more plans. We tell lies to our own conscience. We tell ourselves, oh, it doesn't matter, it's only little. And we try to silence God. We try to stop God from speaking to us in our hearts and telling us we're wrong. We don't want to know. We don't want to listen. But God will not be silenced. God will not be silenced. Let's see what happens next. Verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when the period of her mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. She became one of his wives, and then she gave birth to a son. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David a story. And he tells a story about a rich man and a poor man who owned a great many, uh, a rich man who owned a great many sheep and cattle and a poor man who owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. And one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lived, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he has stolen and for having no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered the Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Amorites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your very own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them. In public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you in open sight of all Israel. How did David react to that? God had found him out, and he knew that God knew everything he had done. 
even if nobody else knew it, God knew it. So what did David do? David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. David confessed what he had done to God. Even though God already knew, David told him everything. And what did God do? God forgave him. No sin, no matter what we do, no sin is too great for God to forgive. Unless we haven't asked for Jesus to come into our lives before we die. God will forgive everything if we ask. Do you think that you can't come close to God because of something terrible you've done? David murdered another man's wife. He slept with another man's wife. And he lied to people to cover up his sins. God forgave David. And God will forgive you too if you're sincere. Now, it's no good just going down the road and going to the shop and stealing that whatever it is that you want and saying, oh, sorry, God, and then going down the next day and stealing another thing. That's not being sincere. But when you're sincere in your heart, when you know that what you have done is so wrong and you ask God to forgive you and you really, really mean it, God will forgive you. However, there will be consequences. Actions, consequences, it's part of life. And we too can expect consequences if we give in to temptation. And these were the consequences for David. The baby became ill. And we read that David fasted and prayed for that baby. And he was in tears, he didn't eat, he was in his bedroom, and his servants were really, really worried about him. And then the baby died. And the servants were even more worried. If he was like this when the baby was alive, what will he be like when we tell him the baby's died? But David knew there was something going on because the servants were all whispering it. And they told him, they told him that the baby had died. And let's see what happened then. 2 Samuel 12, 22. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. So David didn't keep dwelling on his sin. After the baby had died, that was it. He knew God had forgiven him. He had suffered the consequence of that sin, and now it was time to move on. Not to keep dragging it up. Oh, remember that time? Oh, nobody can forgive me because... No. He knew that was it. It had been dealt with. And God was giving him a new, a way to start life anew. But remember that other consequence? That one in 2 Samuel 12, 10 to 12. Let's read that again. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it in secret, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. You see, there were consequences didn't just affect David, and it didn't just affect Bathsheba. The consequences were far-reaching. They affected his whole family. You see, David didn't deal decisively with his kids, whether it was because of his guilty feelings or whether it was his upbringing. Who knows? But when they did something wrong, he didn't discipline them. And so this is what had happened. Amnon, one of his first sons, raped his stepsister Tamar. So then Absalom, the sister of Tamar, or the brother of Tamar, killed Amnon. He rebelled against David, and he slept with David's concubines on the roof of the palace in full view of everyone, just like it had said in the prophecy. Another of his sons, Adonijah, he set himself up as king. Before David had, uh, yeah, before David had died, he thought, right, it's my turn now. I'm going to set myself up. But he hadn't been anointed as king. And then Solomon. Solomon was a great king, full of wisdom. But when he became king, his downfall were his many wives, just like his father. So it's important to realize that what we do doesn't just affect us, it affects lots and lots of people around us and it has a snowball effect and we have to learn to put a stop to it and the buck stops here. So if you're being tempted for something, the buck stops at you. Don't carry it on down the line of your family. So 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. 
and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. In a culture filled with pressures, be encouraged. The temptation happens to everyone. So don't feel like you're being picked on or singled out. God will help you resist temptation if you ask him. But you have to ask him. Recognize the things that lead you into temptation. Is it the adverts on the TV? Is it the book you read? Is it the people you keep company with? What triggers the thing that makes you get tempted? Run from those things. Run from those people. Flee from the devil. And ask for God's help. Because God says, I will help you. And he keeps his promise. Running from temptation is your first step to victory. The minute you turn your back on that thing, you're on your way to victory. But be encouraged. So what made David a man after God's own heart? He had an unchangeable belief that God was faithful and God was of a forgiving nature. David sinned, but he was quick to confess his sins. And his confessions were from the heart. And he repented. And his repentance was genuine. David never took God's forgiveness lightly or his blessings for granted. And he experienced the joy of forgiveness even when he had to suffer the consequences of sin. He wrote two psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. I might just read them, Psalm 51. And this he wrote, the time when Nathan the prophet came to him. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even more. Purify me from thy sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgiving, forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. David recognized that God would look upon him if he had a repentant heart. God will look upon you too if you have a repentant heart. So today, run from temptation and don't leave a forward in the dress.